Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is to you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm your co-host, Andre Howe. And we're excited uh, again to, uh, to, to welcome another guest on to the podcast. We've had uh, some great guests on thus far this season, and he's just adding to that list. Uh, undrafted free agent out of Limestone College. No, with no further ado, we want to welcome to the podcast, Vincent Smith. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, how y'all doing? Thank you for having me on this Tuesday. Man, all is well, all is well, man. Just want to check in. Uh, definitely, uh, how's your family and everybody holding up during this time? Everybody's doing as good as they can during these times. Uh, no complaints. Everybody's healthy and, you know, just staying busy. Awesome, awesome, man. So glad to hear that. So, Vincent, our podcast is, uh, like like I said, what's the hype? Hype is really about helping young people excel. So we just like to dive into our guest story so that uh, you can provide some insight, things that you've learned, the good and the bad throughout your your journey, um, so that someone behind you uh, can have, you know, some tangible uh, insights about, you know, making it as far as you have made it. So with no further ado, we'll just dive right into your story. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, you know, where you was born, and what it was like kind of growing up. Yes, sir. Um, so I'm a military kid, so I was born over in Germany. Uh, moved around a lot, so I lived in New York. Kansas, South Carolina, Georgia. Uh, I think those are all the places we moved to. And, uh, you know, so I, I really never thought I had, like, a real hometown, although I do claim Columbia, South Carolina is my hometown. I lived there. My dad retired when I was 13, so from 13 on, I lived there, and that really, that really became a part of me. Cool. When you start playing sports, man, and uh, what's wrong with the first sport, and who inspired you to play? Uh, the first sport I played was T-ball, if, if we're going to count that when I was about six years old. And I, it was my dad. He inspired me to play. He used to play baseball when he was young. And I was just excited to, to get out and play sports. Cool, cool. So after that, kind of what, how your sport journey kind of took off, you know, before, you know, we'll get to high school, but just kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, those, those early years and, you know, what sports you kind of took uh, favor to um, during that process. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, initially when I was a kid, I loved basketball. I used to watch um, Space Jam all the time. So, you know, Michael Jordan, he was like the first, you know, big athlete I've ever seen and watched him Space Jam. I probably watched it like twice a day mm. from four to six years old. And, uh, you know, I wanted to play basketball. And then, like I said, I started playing T-ball. Played that for about a year. And then after that, the very next team sport I played was, uh, I think it was flag football. It was about fourth, fifth grade, played flag football. Next year, started playing tackle football, started running track. And that's how I got into sports. It was always back between football and track. And, you know, my dad always stayed on me to, to excel. And I just love playing sports. I just love getting out there and, and, and running myself out of energy. Good deal. So we're going to dive into your, your high school experience. Just kind of tell us about that journey. We, you know, going into high school, what sports you played, what high school you went to, and just maybe about, you know, the, the athletic prowess of your high school during that time. 
Uh, so I ended in high school into Blythewood High School. It was a fairly new school in the area. I think it opened what 2006. So it was fairly new. Um, and they were they were sort of a powerhouse in athletics in South Carolina. So I was excited to go there. Um, football team was really good. You know, we had some guys looking at going to South Carolina and Clemson and you know some some pretty good names. So I was just excited to go play sports. Um, I actually started high school football playing defensive back safety uh, you know it was fun you know I felt like I always had a good read on whatever's going on in the offense and I played that for about two years and then um my defensive back coach he I didn't like him that much but he ended up moving up to be the varsity defensive back coach I was like I'm not gonna play no more I'm just gonna go play receiver and ever since then I played receiver but uh I mean I didn't even have to do that initially because they built a new high school and I just got sitting over there for my junior and senior year so I played both varsity years at a brand new high school. Uh, you know, we had no athletic prowess in the area. So our first year, I think we won like two games. I lost against my former high school, 57-0. So it was, a, it was a tough first year. Second year, um, you know, we, we kind of got with it. We finished with 7-5. And I think every game we did lose was within the score. So we were competing very well after our first year. Cool, cool. Talk about your uh, your recruiting process, bro. Um, my recruiting process that was uh it was uh it wasn't that in depth. Um, in the state, I was ranked with the sixth receiver, but I only had two uh, offers. It was from Tusculum and Limestone, both D two colleges in the same conference. Other than that, you know, I had South Carolina looked at me a little bit. Um, Richmond, uh, Charleston Southern, South Carolina State. Appalachian State. That's where I really, really wanted to go. Appalachian State. Um, I was I was excited to go there. I thought I would get a scholarship. Never came through. So I kind of um, uh, there was another receiver ranked. I think he was ranked fifth in the state. He got an offer. So in my head, I was competing with him because you know he got the offer. I wanted. He was ranked a little bit higher than me. So going through college, I was kind of like competing with him in my head. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, yeah, so two offers from two D two schools, and and that's why I started my career out. So why? So why limestone? Kind of tell to why you know out of the two schools, why did you end up um, uh, deciding upon uh, limestone? Well, for one, Tusculum had this uh, one class for eighteen days thing, so I don't, I didn't know how I would handle that. A lot of people say it's easy, but you know, taking one class for eighteen days straight, then you start a new class the next eighteen days, take it, you know, and then you take a um, you know you take your uh, in a term, you know, test. That's how it was. I know how I like that. Just a little bit further away from homeless in the uh, Tennessee mountains, at which I actually pretty like. I like it out there a lot. But uh, limestone for me, um, and the program was new there, and a lot of my teammates. I think about three or four of my teammates from my high school. We all decided to go there, start a new program, kind of how we did in high school, and we thought it would be a, a good, a good opportunity. Dre, I, Dre, I've never heard of, uh, you know, taking. Um, 18 classes, I mean, 18 days in one class and then go to the next one. So you would do that throughout the whole semester is what you're saying? Like just rotate? Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's the whole year. You take one class, finish it, cool. You, you know, you get whatever grade, you're done with it. Next class, that like that every 18 days. You ever heard anything like that, Dre? I ain't never heard it in my life, bro. Oh, that's <laughs> that's different, bro. That's, that's different. How, how was it? How was taking those class, though? Were they, were they hard? Those classes, um, like like I said, I, I didn't, I did not choose that school for that reason. So I, 
you know, but like I said, a lot of people say it's easy. You know, they say you only have to focus on one class. And I think they said it's like two, I think they said it's like either two or three sessions a day, each about an hour or hour and a half. So it was, I guess when you really get to focus on one subject, it's not too difficult. Gotcha. That, I, I can see how that kind of makes sense in, in a way. Um, but you, again, you decided on limestone. What was the biggest adjustment coming from high school, uh, stepping onto the uh, college campus? Uh, you know, you're kind of in control of everything in a way. You know, high school, you know, you have some type of structure, parents taking care of you, you know, telling you what to do. But in college, you know, it was it was our first year. Like also that year was tough too because we were a brand new program. I think we also won two games that year, and. Um, our coaches really didn't care for our academics. Our first coaching staff didn't care for our academics, so they never told us we had to go to study hall, never got us any tutors. You know, they, they just made sure we were in class. But other than that, they didn't care about our academics, especially as young freshmen. You know, a lot of us played and traveled. So I remember at the end of the season, we traveled. They, we never flew, so we traveled one time eight hours to a game and then 12 hours to Florida and then having to travel that back. So we missed a lot of time. So I learned how to manage my time and, really push myself to be in the books because our coaches didn't do that. That was the biggest thing for me. And just taking the next step to college because high school uh, academics was easy for me. So write my notes, then I have to study, look over before a test and I'd be fine. Good deal. It's interesting. Um, bro, I ain't know that about you, dog. That's, that's, new. That's, new. that's new to me, bro. I ain't know you went to a school like that. First of all, yeah. I never heard of that school anyway, but uh... – that's cool, bro. That's, that's big time, dog. You really came up, bro. Appreciate but, uh, that. Talk about talk about your team success and your your success individually. Your individual success at, at Limestone. Uh yeah. So coming in as a freshman, uh, you know, I wasn't. You know, I remember one of the first things I remember is us going through training camp and our our receiver coach, actually, the older receiver, is like, "Oh, who you think is gonna make um, you know, make the roster this year and make the travel team." And I remember all the receivers picking other guys besides me. I was just sent them like, okay, cool, okay, cool, and then ended up making the roster. And then I was starting by the third, fourth game, my freshman year. And from then on, had good success. It was another receiver. I say we had similar stats all four years through my career. So, so individually, I did well. Um, our team, like I said, first year. We won two games. Second year, we might have won three games. They fired that coaching staff, um, brought in a new coaching staff, and it kind of helped us excel. We won about five games, I think, each year after that. But team, like a team, our program, that took another two, three steps with our new coaching staff. So tell me, uh, when, when did you realize that you really could possibly have a shot at the next level? Uh, that's when that new coaching staff came in. Um, I think we had like seven coaches that were former NFL players on the new coaching staff. So wow. that's that's when we, you know, they, you know, get coming into training camp. Our head coach was a receiver, Coach Furry played receiver. A DB coach, um, he played DB. He was a first round pick out of Alabama. I'm trying to think. I can't believe I can't remember his name right now. But um, first round pick out of Alabama, played for the Patriots. Uh. Special teams coach played. I'm trying to think who else played. Uh, we had two twin coaches who played a while ago. They were older, older guys, and they played in the 70s or 60s. So, you know, hearing that and our receiver coach also played, Coach uh, Coach Roundtree. He went to Michigan, went to um, 
the Bengals. You know, just hearing, you know, going through training camp and hearing them like, oh, you might have something, you know, you might be able to do something. You might be able to make an NFL roster. You might be able to make a practice squad, like, looking good. You're making plays. And Coach Roundtree kind of, like, gave me a talk on what he's seen out of A.J. Green, how he's just a monster and how he commands the field and how he makes his plays and doesn't wait for a play to happen. I, I think that kind of, like, took me to the next level my junior year. I kind of understood it more my senior year and kind of took more control of my journey than on. Tell us a little bit. Just kind of throw, throw some of your stats out your senior year before we kind of go in. Just what, senior year. It's coming from a small school. You know, it's, yes. it had to kind of pop. Yeah, senior year I played, what, nine games. I think I had just under 900 yards, about four touchdowns. I think um, we had two quarterbacks that year. I played with um, – the second quarterback, he didn't start to the seventh or eighth game. So I only got to play two games with him. But those last two games I played with him, I had 180 yards and three touchdowns each. Wow. Or 180 yards each, three touchdowns total. Three touchdowns total. Gotcha. So that was – I was I was like, okay. In those last couple of games, I had a lot of scouts coming, had a lot of agents coming, and kind of pushed me to the next level. And I was – I think I twisted my ankle – Last week, last game of the season, couldn't play the last game, so that was a bummer. Only game I've ever missed in my career. So, wow. all right, time for the draft time. So, uh, how was your pre-draft experience, and uh, how was the combine? You know, draft pro days, uh, and where you thought where you thought you were gonna go? Uh, my my pre-draft experience was good. Uh, like I was saying, uh, a lot of scouts came my senior year because our coach got us a junior day out of college, which is kind of unheard for for D2 schools anyways. Mm-hmm. So us having a junior day kind of propelled us into our senior year. We had 28 teams come and check us out throughout the season. And, you know, it was you know it was nerve-wracking time, but exciting because, you know, it's, it's kind of like your dreams are right there for the taking. And then, you know, you, you got to get an agent. I think that was the hardest part because you don't know what to believe. You don't know the rules. You don't want to have a violation. You don't know which agent is, you know, just trying to take your money or – selling you smoke so you know that, that time was the most difficult but I'm glad uh, I ended up with the ages I ended up with um but the process was it was it was good uh you know you, you get to training start your pro training that helps you go to a no, new level and you know you start to um at that point I was waiting for an invite to the combine I think I got like right on the bubble and like I'm sorry you didn't make it you know but you know we'll see you at your pro day blah 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 I think I, I went to the um, regional combine. That helped out a little bit. But, you know, hearing the scouts talk about, okay, you know, might be able to make it to a fourth at the highest, fifth round, sixth round for sure. So that's why I was, I was like, okay, I think fifth, sixth, that's probably where I'll land. And then I had my pro day. I killed to that South Carolina. I think that was the thing that helped me, propel me the most. It was like, okay, if anything, he's an athletic kid, at least special teams. That helped me out a lot. And then um, from then on, so you get the draft, wait to the third day, and then, you know, you're waiting for the fifth, sixth. Or I'll, I'll, I'll actually backtrack. I had uh, two two uh, pre-draft invites. It was the Texans and the Jets, only two teams that invited me. Wow. So it's kind of funny that I now play for both teams. And uh, when I when I initially took the uh, pre-draft visits, like, uh, for me, Houston felt just like a good spot Um. Out of all the people I met there, I met J.J. Moses, and I thought he was, like, the most influential guy for me to want to go to mm-hmm. Houston because I knew he would take care of me, and I felt like he was a real person from the very start when I met him. 
But um, yeah, so you get a draft day, day three, hitting fifth round. Uh, you get a couple calls. Oh, we're thinking about maybe picking you up. Nobody's picked you up yet. Stay ready. Sixth round. Okay, we might uh, end the sixth round, seventh round. Nobody's picked you up. You know, let's see if we can get you for a steal after the draft. And it didn't hit me till after the draft. You know, I was I was relaxed. It didn't hit me till after the draft when now it's my choice to to choose where I'm gonna go. And it was difficult because my receiver coach he just got hired in Chicago, but the sh- Chicago hasn't really taken a look at me. So nobody besides him would kind of be vouching for me. Houston, um, Brian Gaines, he you know he told me I got a plan for you. You know, you, you come here, you won't regret it. You're gonna have a fair chance here. I think that was the biggest thing for me. And, uh, you know, you get a, I got a call from about ten or twelve of the team. So it's been ten minutes. I've gotten twelve calls, and I'm trying to make a decision fast before they start pulling the offers back off the table or when the spots get filled up. And I just felt comfortable with Houston because I knew the GM really wanted me taking that trip there, made me comfortable. So I, I chose Houston. I, I was very happy about that. I think a lot of people don't really understand when it comes down to undrafted free agent or free agent after post-draft that it's really uh, a short period of time to make a decision because rosters are filling up, you know, and, and, and that, that's, you know, you, you, you're ultimately making a decision that could impact your career moving forward. So, yeah. um, you know, just kind of stepping into that whole situation, I, knew, I know for yourself, you know, trying to make a decision during that time with all these different options on the table and trying to make a decision with your, with your agent, man, I know that can be tough, man. But basically, you know, uh, uh, you ended up in Houston. So um, I'll let Dre kind of go ahead and, and, and go with the next one. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you're the undrafted free agent. What, what was your thoughts coming to, into, you know, to training camp? You know, I, I, I was a seven-round pick, so – my thoughts, all over, all over, all over, all over, all over the place, bro. Like I was just like, you know, you're not afraid. You just like, you just nervous, man. You don't know what to expect. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, you the rookie, man. Like you just a, you're not a first round pick. You're not a second round pick. You like at the end. You know what I mean? You, you're at the end of the line. You know what I mean? You're yeah. at the end of the front receiver line. So you trying to come up now. So how is how is your thought process going through all that? Uh yeah, I'm I'm a pretty positive person. So at that point, I'm like, man, I got nothing to lose. Like yeah. I already made it further than anybody ever thought I would make it. You know, people are just happy for me. And you know, I hear a lot. Even before I even laid it down, I hear a lot of, um, oh, you, you made it, you got drafted, oh, that's good, you know, that you made it that far, we're proud of you for making it this far. That's kind of where it would end. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Uh, or if other people ask me, um, oh, you, you play for the te- you actually play for the Texas? Like, are you, <laughs> like, you know, you hear that type of yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. so going in, you know, those are the motivators. But going in, I was, I was starstruck, you know, the first day, you know, walking in the locker room, especially with that roster that year. There's a lot of guys, especially out of the state of South Carolina, where you just walk in, you're like, wow. Like, you know, I, I was watching all these guys. I've been fanning these guys for years. and I'm in here with them. And I know they don't know nothing about me because I'm from a D2 school. I was undrafted. They, they don't know anything about me. They don't care about me. Don't, you know, they don't think, you know, like, they don't think I know how to play football. Mm-hmm. So going in, you know, I just try to make sure I paid attention to everything. But – Mine's running everywhere, playbook, routes, cadence, um, when I'm aware, like trying not to get on nobody's nerves, how to fit in, all of it. <laughs> What's up, Hype family? Thanks again for listening to another episode of What's the Hype podcast. But if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. 
Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenerships. So you don't even have to have a big audience. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And, and, that's, and those are some other key factors too, man. Just again, walking into locker rooms with guys that you may have looked up to, uh, guys that you watched you know, from a younger age and um, kind of walking in at the same time, understanding that you have to um, be present enough to be, you know, in position to put yourself in position. So uh, with that being said, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about uh, just coming around, doing training camp, going through that process, and then coming up until, you know, final cuts, right? Because this is a, this is a huge moment for undrafted, late round drafted guys. You know, you, everybody's on edge because you really don't know. So talk a little bit about that experience for you. Uh, training camp, uh, coming in a rookie camp, made a couple plays, you know, I'm not cut, I'm not cut. I'm still on the team. I'm like, okay, good. Going to the OTAs, trying to get the playbook down. You know, we have long days. We have our rookie meetings after trying to get to know people, fit in with other guys, other rookies who don't know anything about you, you know, because like you said, we're at the back of the line, you know. And, and for me, I'm at a D2 school, so they, they've never even heard where I played at before. So, you know, they, they got, you know, you get weird looks like. But um, I was, you know, going into training camp, working hard, kind of got the playbook now, you know, just trying to, you know, basically fit the mold. And then getting into games and just kind of relaxing almost and just playing ball when you get into games, just trying to make your plays, not worrying about the plays you didn't make, not worrying about the plays you could make, but just making the play at the very moment. Mm-hmm. I think that helped me out a lot. Made some made some pretty good plays preseason that year. And then you get the cut day. And I remember um, they were telling us they were going to keep six receivers and, you know, it's, it's a nerve-wracking day just sitting in the locker room watching Gennaro walk in and tell you, you know, come on, which is a bad thing. You know, you know you're about to get cut whether you're on practice squad or you go somewhere else. And, you know, we're sitting in there from, like, 9 to, like, 12, just waiting, you know, for it to finish. And I think it's about 11.30 and there's seven receivers left in there. And, you know, I'm starting to count on my hand, like, you know, as, 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 as these guys left, it's one more being cut. And, then, you know, for me to see who they cut, I was I was like, wow. Like, that was a wild moment for me, like, to, to see that, you know, I made, you know, as, as a sixth receiver on the roster, like, that was, that was a wild moment for me because I, I planned on myself being a practice squad. That's why I initially thought, I was like, okay, I'm going to be on practice squad, maybe make the roster, but to see, you know, who they cut for me, that was a big wild moment for me. That's what's up, bro. That was uh, I, remember, I remember, you know, going through that transition. I remember you, bro. That's what's up. Yeah. But uh, you know, we, we always like to ask the guys, like, okay, when when did they realize the NFL was a business? And most time they they say it when like you know when everybody was about to get a cut. So what was that for for you? Yeah, definitely when uh when everybody is about to get cut, and you know, even listening to my receiver coach explain to me after why they cut and who they cut, and you know, just breaking it down to me, like you know, this is why. These couple factors, whether it's they're paying me less money at the moment, that I could do the same job as him. Uh, maybe I want to play special teams a little bit more to him, and you kind of realize, okay, you know, like at the end of the day, you know, we're all replaceable. So this is this is definitely a business. And I, and those are the key factors that when some guys understand that early on, they find a way to 
keep themselves around. Like they say, okay, I'm gonna make myself more valuable to the team by being uh, someone that can play special teams, someone that can uh, learn all the different positions within the receiving core, slide outside. So no, that's definitely key factors. And those, those weigh huge in decisions when you're talking about making a 53 man roster. So again, man, I was there throughout that process too. And, and, and the talks were, you know, man, this guy made the 53 man roster. So, you know, just to kind of, again, maybe have odd, all odds against you, but then, you know, you being able to kind of survive and, and continue to press on, man. So again, it was, it was, it was a tremendous honor to kind of see uh, you navigate that. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about your, your rookie season for a moment. Um, after making the roster, like what was your expectations then? Was it solely like just maybe focusing on special teams? Um, but uh, not only that, but then, you know, also talk about just being in the same receiving core with like a DeAndre Hopkins and catching balls from uh, Deshaun Watson. Kind of talk a little bit about that rookie season and just expectations. Yeah, so, you know, they're telling me, you know, you're a guy, you want to play special teams, but, you know, it was, it was weird because Will was hurt that first couple, that first week or two. So they're telling me you're starting, starting for Will. So that was, I went from my head being a practice squad player to starting in a matter of a day. So for me, it was, uh, you know, it was like, wow, you know, like I'm starting, like, that's it. Like I'm starting. But in the same time, it's like, okay, you kind of, I had to learn how to, and I hadn't learned at that time, but you know, you got to learn how to break down film you know, break down how deep is going to play you, what the good at, what the bad at, all the tendencies, you know, the coverages, the little nuances they might change and how it all just adds up. And, you know, just being on the same page as a quarterback. At that time, I had to learn. So looking back, I don't think I was ready week one, definitely. But at the time, I was thinking I'm ready. I'm ready to, to play. But, uh, you know, just being pumped, but also being nervous because, you know, it's like, wow, you know, I, like I said, I went from practice squad to starting in a matter of a day so it, it hit me really fast so like you said south carolina was a was a it's almost the texans was like south carolina west man it was like so many guys from south carolina so a guy like deandre hopkins and a guy like watson that played in south carolina at clemson talk about just again like just being in that i mean deandre hopkins is one of the, the best players in the nfl if not one of the top receivers of course talk about just kind of being in just around that and just how, how how did he impact you or what what type of things did you did you notice or, or learn from him uh for me um i i mean first off it's just like noticing he's meant to play the game like he's a smart guy i think that's what a lot of people understand he's very smart on the field and off the field but you know he's just built to play the game tough catches nearly everything knows how to get open and he, he knows the playbook so from him, it was – I say it was hard to learn from him in a, in a way because he's just so advanced and it's just so easy for him. It's, it feels like watching him. But uh, him and Deshaun just seeing their how, – how they how they work, you know, behind the scenes, you know, from the hand signals, from when you get up to the line. Deshaun sees his coverage, you see this coverage, so this is how this route is going to go. Deshaun's going to put the ball right here. And, and learning that and watching them do it because, you know, it seems seamless, you know, watching as a fan, mm -hmm. you're like, okay – but, you know, you get in the playbook and you get into practices and you get into meetings and you see this, how this all comes about. Kind of takes you thinking to the next level. He's, he's definitely a freak, man. I know Dre, Dre probably got unlimited different stories uh, about that guy. He's definitely a freak in terms of, you know, just, 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 just it's so un, unopposing just kind of see the way, you know, you see him moving around. He's not in a weight room pushing a lot of weights. You know, he's not, you know, running 4-2 speed, but – 
literally he's uncoverable. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, yeah. it's it's freakish just to kind of be able to see that. But I just want to talk about I mentioned one of my fondest moments, right? Just kind of talking about that uh that that Philly catch, right? That catch that you made in the end zone in Philly, you know, give us the chance. I think we went up at that moment. Like, that took us yeah. – you know, kind of talk a little bit about that play um, and just, just what you remember about that experience. Uh, it was it was weird that week because DT was telling me, he was like, man, before the game, the Mercedes like, man, I think he'll make some big plays this game. And, you know, I'm backing him up for that game. So, I'm like, okay, you know, I might get in here and there, make a play here and there. And, you know, he goes down with the Achilles. I think it was third quarter. So around there, he goes down with the Achilles. So, uh, you know, I'm back up. It's, it's my turn. You know, he's telling me, like, go make a play. Go do something big. And we're down at the moment. You know, it's, it seems like we're in just empty formation for the last two quarters. You know, just trying to make some plays, pick up, you know, pick up the slack, put some points up on the board. And then uh, before that play had happened, or before that drive had happened, Deshaun was asking me um, which DB that I think is easy to get past. Told him, uh, DB on the left, you know, he's kind of chilling. He's not really reacting well. You know, he's sitting back and kind of just sitting there. He's like, okay, cool. As soon as you get over there, you know, you run a post, keep it high, I'm going to put the ball out there. And it was the very first well, – so it was probably like six plays through the drive. It was a third down. And I, and I was my very first time going to the left. So in my head, I'm kind of I'm kind of amped a little bit like the ball should be coming to me. The ball should be coming to me. I'm going to run this post high, get on his toes, stick, keep it high, see the ball coming catch and make sure my toes are in bounds and there's a touchdown just like that and I was excited you know and it was cool you know just from being on the sideline Deshaun telling me hey keep it high I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get you the ball and it was, it was that simple and, and that was one of the moments where it's like okay that's a him and D-hop moment basically you know, that, was, that was big yeah, yeah, we were definitely surprised to see. I mean, the, the, the get your feet in bounds. It was just, I mean, again, it was an unbelievable play. So that's a memory that'll probably stick with me for a long time. Yeah, me too. I mean, being my first touchdown and just how it happened. And I mean, the Philly crowd is the oh. nasty, but the energy oh. Oh. is great from the crowd. Oh man, that crowd is uh, is a whole nother level, man. That's a yeah. whole nother experience. So after rookie year, um, what was your thoughts after? Uh, Heading to your second year, heading to year two, and how did you how did things turn out in Houston for you? Uh, after that, my, my thoughts were like, man, you know, I got a little bit of taste of playing. I want more. I want to excel to the next level. So I was deep in the playbook, deep on trying to trying to get my routes better, getting off the ball better, become a smoother receiver. So I spent. I, I really started training like I, I started training too early because in the end. It kind of burnt my body out right around training camp or in our next year. But I was – for that to be my my first offseason, I was like, I'm going to go hard, train hard, and, you know, going hard and training hard and seeing the veterans kind of like not training as hard as they can or kind of taking it easy. You know, at the time I didn't understand, like, I'm like oh, y'all are kind of going half speed. I'm going full speed all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, just working hard. And like I said, you know, getting around training camp, I'm like, dang, my body my body's starting to break down or – it's not feeling right just because I've been going hard all off season. Now understanding like, okay, that's why the veterans, are, you know, took it slower here, seventy five percent here, and took the time on, on, on improving. So you know, at that moment, I, I understood. But I definitely came in, you know, wheels running on off season. Had a good OTAs, you know, coaches like, hey, this, this is gonna be a good year for you. You know, stay focused, be prepared, and um, you know, that that was. I was just a good time, and I feel like I took another two or three steps to the next level. 
so and then just kind of you know talk about you know so again what what ended up happening uh in terms of how did that uh how did that time in houston end like you know what what, what was that like yeah so came to cut day again made it through the first cut day i'm like okay cool you know something didn't feel right the second day i was laying down got a phone call you know it was a, it was a front office and, you know that's that's bad you know you get a phone call cut days is bad sorry you know, you know, fit nowhere on our roster right now. You know, nobody picks you up, put you on practice squad, you know, to stick around. Ended up being on practice squad. They picked up Kenny from um, the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And that year they only kept – or initially only kept five receivers on the roster. So I'm like, okay, cool. Keep working on practice squad. Um, I was only on there for three weeks. And that was a good time for me because I also got to get my body back in order. I wasn't playing on the weekends, wasn't traveling on the weekends. You know, doing only practice squad duties, got my body back in order. And it was three weeks to the Jets had called. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'm excited to go play there. Uh, and they called on a Saturday. I, I was up there on a Sunday. And that was the bye week. So I took that whole first week to learn their playbook. And by then I was starting the next – or not starting, but playing the next weekend. Good deal. Like, and it can happen just that fast, man. It literally can yeah. happen just that fast in the league. You can go from, you know, not being on the active roster to starting for an NFL team. So uh, another thing that we like to talk about, too, is money management, right? So as a young guy coming into the league, you know, I don't, you know, you can tell us maybe a little bit about your background in terms of, you know, parents and, you know, what type of income you guys was kind of, you know, used to growing up. Um, but just speak to, you know, what, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned as a, a rookie um, in terms of managing your money? Uh, you know, any extravagant purchases or anything like that. Just kind of talk a little bit about uh, um, coming in and then, you know, being able to kind of deal with money from a rookie standpoint. Yeah, so coming in, you know, at the time I was, you know, only guaranteed $35,000. And, you know, you kind of, you know, you, you know, you hear the rookies, oh, yeah, I bought a house already. Or, you know, I got this and that or my my guaranteed money hit. And, you know, it was a couple hundred thousand. And at that time, I think I only got like 7000 guaranteed. So, you know, he's like, okay, I'm not in the bracket. I think the biggest thing my, my rookie year was learning how to stay in your lane, like when it comes to spending and, and you know, what you can do and what you can't do. Because at the time, you still make a lot of money mm-hmm. compared to what you're used to. You know, my family was a middle-of-the-road family. We were never – and not much. Um, we were never that low. But, you know, we've had tough times just like anybody else. But we were mostly in a pretty good position most of our life. And, you know, like I said, so at that time, making good money, you know, you, you kind of, I was, I just wanted to see it accumulate and build. Um, me, I'm a car guy, so I think I, I think my biggest purchase was my GTR that year. And, um, you know, I I put money into it, but that was my biggest purchase. But uh, just seeing my money accumulate and kind of reaching new goals, that was the biggest thing. I think during the season, during the season, it's not hard to save money and not hard to spend it. During the offseason, I think it's the harder part. And I, talk about that GTO, that that that, that car, because you went to some different kind of cars, right? I remember you bringing that car in a lot. I'm like, what what is that? So kind of talk a little bit about that uh, fascination with those cars, or those certain style cars that you're that you're speaking of. Oh uh, yeah, so it was, uh, they're you know Japanese cars, JDM. Um, they're classics, uh, and this they were only allowed to come into America up to like five years ago. They reached 25 years old. They're allowed to be imported, and it's just uh, it's a car that's a classic. It, Runs and drives well. It's um most of them come over with like less than seventy thousand miles. My car still has 
less than 70,000 miles. So I've had it for two years now. And it's, it just looks good, drives well, and it, it, it actually gets a lot more attention than you think it yeah. surprisingly. What year is it? Cause it's 92. So, exactly. So, again, you're talking about rookies coming in with, you know, Maseratis and all this type of thing. You're going to get you a 1992 <laughs> uh, car. So, again, those are the type of things that I paid attention to in terms of when we're talking with money. You just can understand guys who are in a position um, that they're not trying to catch up and keep up with everybody else. So that was definitely something that stood out to me. Definitely. You know, we know you got a long career ahead of you. Um, you know, me and, me and Jeff, I always talk about with all the, with all the people we, we were talking about, we were talking about, we say, um, you know, what's your, what's your plan after football? You know what I mean? Like, what you gonna do after football? And uh, that's one thing we, we always, you know, we preach about. So have you thought about it yet? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I still have like a year or a semester, semester left. I think three credits to finish to get my degree. So I think I'm gonna start that this next off season. But after my career, um, I'm still leaning like uh, for sure. I, I want to get into law enforcement, definitely. Um, and I think it needs a lot of reform. It needs a lot of good people. So I definitely think law enforcement is something I would love to get into. But uh, on the side, I love working on my car. I love working that craft is something that'll always be a passion to me, like football. So I think I'll always keep that in my back pocket. Good deal, man. I think you'll definitely do well in that. And like you said, you know, some brothers like you definitely be added a value to, uh, to that, to that, to that uh, industry. Uh, so in close, man, what message would you like to leave for you know, younger kids that, that might, uh, might only have small school offers? Uh, uh, what advice would you have for them in terms of what it takes to, make it or achieve their dreams or make it to the level that you've made them? Uh, for me, it was always uh, not letting people slow you down or hold you back in terms of how much you should do. I think you should always take that extra step to kind of reach your goals. Um, going to a small school, I understood that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not the same as a Jadavion Clowney or a Deshaun Watson. I don't have a million people who know where I am that know what I can do. So I always got to work harder just to reach – you know, the same goal. Um, I think that's, that's something that always pushed me uh, working harder and, and believing I never did enough. Uh, just learning your body. Um, for me, uh, I think I've always been a, um, a late bloomer. So I didn't get fast till I was about 20 years old and kind of gaining weight and gaining muscle and gaining full control of my body came around the same time. So for me, it was learning my body, working hard and, and staying focused, you know, not letting nobody kind of let me relax you know it's always good to take it off time but you know as long as you have a goal and you know the steps to reach it that always helps absolutely man so again we appreciate you uh dre i don't know if you had any additional questions but um we, we I, I definitely is uh, i'm a fan and i i will continue to watch you up in new york root for you um we appreciate you definitely stopping by and having a conversation with us yeah man definitely but i'm a fan too bro I mean, when you came in, dog, like you said, you like nobody really calling you, you know, like, man, who, who, who's the dude is? But like, you came in, you made, you made the team, and you, you're standing, you're standing in the NFL right now, man. So keep doing your thing, bro. You, you big time, dog. Keep doing your thing. I All appreciate right. that. Uh, appreciate y'all for having me on and, and just taking time with me. Absolutely, sure. brother. We'll, we'll talk with you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and comment. Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, love, all my life. Been grinding all my life, sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.